back. Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 27. Oh, how I've missed saying that while we have been on our week-long hiatus vacation. I am Ken, and this is Clint. Clint, how are you doing? I'm great. That was such a great week. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. A, it was a great week. I know you all have missed us. We haven't recorded for uh, seven days now. Uh, only but seven days. Only seven days. Uh, it's been a busy seven days. Little, little eventful. I feel how, like we uh, packed a lot into the time. <laughs> a lot. A lot. How was your seven days? <laughs> Oh, it was a good seven days. Good. It went good. by just like a flash. Yeah. I enjoyed no it. cultural or political changes. No, no upheaval. No unrest. Uh, no, no, nothing no. at all. Uh, things have actually settled settled down mm-hmm. and, and certainly certainly no pandemic. So that's been nice. Yeah, that's really weird that it cleared up so quickly in a week. Like <laughs> yeah. we we're all expecting. Crazy, crazy. You know, we were expecting the long haul, mm-hmm. but we just. Man, it went by really quickly. And so, after seven <laughs> days, we are back, and uh, we're we're nervous, but but excited to have a little bit of fun today. So, Clint, uh, what you've been watching about? Um. Well, I have a few things. Okay. Okay. In, yeah. in the last seven days. Yeah, in the last seven days. Okay. Do you want me to go through everything? I mean, it can't be that much, right? It's only been seven days. Seven days. days. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> okay, I mean, I don't know. Do you want uh, like a really long description for each? Just let me like go through. No, it. let's just let's just hear what you've been watching. Okay. Um, well, I've gone through uh, Possessor, An American Pickle, Borat Two, Midnight Sky, Nomadland, Mank, Tenet, Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four, The Flight Attendant, The Mandalorian. <laughs> I may destroy you. I'm. <laughs> I'll be gone in the dark. Perry Mason, WandaVision, Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picards. <laughs> Staff lets flats, promising young woman. I care a lot. Feeling (laughs) feels good, man. The Wolf House, Uh, Spaceship Earth. I used to go here. Black Bear, save yourselves. His house come true. Soul, Uncle Frank, Peep Show, Plebs, the country, this country. I'm thinking of ending things. The Sound of Metal, The Assistant, Palm Springs, Shirley, The Vast of Night, The Painter and the Thief, Raised by Wolves, Ted Lasso, The Vow, Search Party, Tales from the Loop, Solar Opposites, Moonbase Eight. Um, Black Monday, Dispatches from Elsewhere, Corporate, <laughs> Review, Invincible, Made for Love, Modoc, Shrill, Pen 15, The Underground Railroad, The Great North, Bob's Burgers, 500 times, Back, Friday Night Dinners, <laughs> Synchronic, <laughs> The Dark and the Wicked, The Fog, Loving Vincent, Vice Principals, Detroiters, and At Home with the... Let, let, me, let me cut you off there, Clint. Okay. That's, you've watched a lot in seven days. Yeah. that's That's been... That's almost like the amount of, of entertainment you could absorb in, in say, a year-long pandemic. Yeah, almost. That's, that's, wow. But I packed it into seven days. Into seven days, of course, yeah. as, as one does. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what I heard there was Black Bear. How was Black Bear? Because I've been eyeballing that on Amazon. It was really good. Was it? It's super weird. Um, yeah, I, I, I really liked it. Um, Aubrey Plaza is really good in it. I was surprised by her. Like, actually, she is like steadily grown as an actress. She's done a lot of more interesting things, like from um, what was the Marvel show Legion. Legion. She was great in that, and uh, I think this was. I don't know if it was her and her long time boyfriend, or it was somebody she was close to who directed it. And uh, yeah, it was really good. It's really worth watching. All yeah. Right. What other things there uh, were were highlights? Um, give me give me some recommends here. So things that I did not get to through my list <laughs> that I recently watched. Uh-huh. Um, 
were two movies by the director. Um, oh, what's his name here? Oh, Roy Anderson, who's Swedish. And I'm not sure if you've come across any of his films. He did a movie called um, A Pigeon Sat on a Branch, Reflecting on Existence. Have you ever heard of this film? No, no. Um, and he also just... A Pigeon Sat on a Branch. A Pigeon Sat on a Branch, Reflecting on Existence. <laughs> and he just had a new movie called About Endlessness that just came out. I've heard of that. And okay. he's... A much, very much an auteur, like his, like you can, like if you saw one of his films, it's it, you would instantly recognize it, like oh, that's a Roy Anderson movie, but so good. There, I don't know if you would like them or not. He has, it kind of reminds me of um, what's the director's name who did like Lobster and oh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. I know who you're talking about and. A mix of his style mixed with like kind of a Wes Anderson style where Interesting. not in a very like – it's just every shot is very purposefully like set up in like stagnant shots. Like the camera never moves. And in every – like he's done like a series of films and they're all very similar in the same world. Um, it's – all of the people are kind of made up to look like – I'm not going to say corpses, but they're very pale and gaunt. And the let's say about endlessness, like there's no overarching story to it. It's every, it's just like these small vignettes about people just living their lives. And okay. the, the description like really sums it up. Um, let me find it here. Okay, so a a kaleidoscope of human condition includes scenes of a couple floating over war-torn Germany, a father and his daughter in the pouring rain, a teenager dancing outside a cafe, and a defeated (laughs) army marching to prison uh, after a war. And so it's just like these shots, and the whole thing is like a narrator in there. And it's this woman's voice, and she just says, I, uh, I saw an army marching to prison, or I saw a, um, a girl dancing outside a cafe. And it's just a really short, like two minutes, and they're just dancing. But it's this accumulative effect of by the end, you just feel like you experience the entirety of life. <laughs> it, and I'm serious. Wow. Like it got to the okay. end, and I just like was like, you're kind of like, what is happening? Like there's nothing, there's no story here. Well, by the end, you like have this feeling like of like you really experience. There's a scene where um I think I can't remember what her description was, but it was like a it was like I saw a dictator's last day, or it was something like that, but it's Hitler in his bunker. And you just hear bombs dropping and it's hmm. him like in his commanders just worried. And that's all the scene is. But you just get like this small moments and these big moments. Hmm. And it just by the end, you're like, man, I just like it really has an effect. And uh, but like I was walking to going to bed afterwards and I was just like, I heard this, heard the narrator's voice. Like I saw a man going to bed. Oh, Clint, that's that's bad. That's that's. <laughs> That's mental health bad. <laughs> no, it just had it has this real effect, and like the shots are all really beautiful, and there's very minimal music. And a pigeon sat on a branch. That film is very similar, but there's more of an overarching story. It follows these two um, 
men who are salesmen who sell like novelty items. So they like sell like whoopee cushions and like these uh, masks and stuff. And they're just going around trying to sell their wares. And mm-hmm. they come in contact with these people just living their lives. And like small moments, big moments, very surreal moments, like out of place, but it all fits together and gives you this really hmm. interesting. I highly re- recommend you checking one out. Okay, which one should I start with? I would say what's, what's the easiest access point? I'd say for a me? pigeon sat on a branch because it has more of an over- overarching like story to it. And if you enjoy it, because it's so beautifully shot and aesthetically pleasing and like there's definitely a vision to it. It doesn't feel like it's meandering, okay. but it just has a very unique vision to it. Right. And if you enjoy that, I'd say check out right. the other one. Right. But he, he has like three or four other movies, and, but they're very hard to find. Like they're not on Amazon or... Really? Yeah. You, I found an app or a, um, I guess an app. Or like a channel that you can only get to it if you have a library card, and then they have them. But I don't have a library card, so I can't, I can't watch it. And this seven days has really just divorced <laughs> you from from society. I just, man, mm-hmm. this is barbarianism over here. <laughs> is it is it barbarianism or is it barbarism? I think it's barbarism. Mm. I think I just I think I revealed my own. I need a haircut. Foolishness. So. <laughs> All right. Anything else you've been watching recently? I think that's pretty good. Okay. How about you, Ken? What you been watching? Well, I uh, I also have a pretty breathless list, but I saw you <laughs> wind yourself, so I think uh, I think I'll avoid that heartache and just kind of uh, go with where um, what I've been watching recently. I have been watching Handmaid's Tale season four. Yeah, I'm me assuming too. you've been watching as well. Mm-hmm. Are you completely caught up with the newest episode? Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I kind of get a little frustrated sometimes because it's rehashing some similar things they've done where it's just like uh, she gets away and then like she gets pulled back into it and it it just gets exhausting a little bit because just like, man, I just wanted to get somewhere else. And luckily it has. And I'm, that's what is really s- not saved it for me, but it's made me enjoy it again. And I, I still am enjoying it, but it's just like, and I understand that it's probably what would happen in that situation, just like this really uh, kind of a helpless uh, scenario. Maybe, but. maybe, maybe I'm just less filled with hope. It just seems I, I would have written off, uh, not written off my kid, but I mean, it, it just, I, I feel like my brain would have accepted there's no way that under under this current story system that that I'd be able to get to my kid, find my kid, get my kid back. Uh, it seems like kind of headed in the story direction that they go, in my mind, would be your best shot at actually recovering your child somehow so that you're not just going at it alone. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I was I was worried that first four or five episodes where it was hitting some very similar story beats from season three. But now they seem to be taking a different direction. I'm, I'm curious where it goes. I'm curious what their end game for this season is. Yeah, me too. Um, um, I mean, I can understand that like you're just in that horrible situation and yeah. you're just get fixated like that's your thing. Yeah. Like, and that's what's getting that's you true, through. Because there's so much psychological damage and trauma there. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's essentially her entire existence in Gilead has been focusing on Hannah and and the thought of of reclaiming Hannah. And so I I can see that. Well, especially with um, one of 
the last episodes where she's kind of their daughters used against her mm-hmm. in this way. Yeah. And so you just saw her and she seems tangible again and she's that's true there. so because they just, have peppered her in where they're, yeah. they're almost taunting her with right with like, this so she's emotional so close, connection but she's still yeah. unattainable yeah. yeah but i i continue to highly recommend handmaid's tale oh, yeah. it's it's a it's a bit of a tough watch um it can be it can be hard to they really deal with some heavy themes and and they they don't really lighten up very often at all yeah it took me a while to want to watch it this season because of everything that's happened in In the last seven days in this past week is a hard week tough week tough week and so i wasn't sure it (laughs) took me like there was probably three or four episodes up before i was like okay and then once i dove in and i was hooked again and I had a I had a very strange experience over the pandemic because I know you went for more lighthearted things to yeah. kind of escape and distract yourself, and I went full horror. <laughs> I just started watching uh, horror movie after horror movie, cheap horror movies, uh, classic horror movies, you name it. Uh, I just I couldn't get enough. I guess the 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 fictional worlds of horror movies were were much more disturbing than the real world, and I needed that. It sounds sadistic. Uh, it it really <laughs> does when I say it out loud. I don't mean for it to, but I did something this weekend that uh, at the was, end of the seven days. At the end of the seven days, yes, I did something this weekend that was. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it. But I went to a movie theater. Oh, you did? I did. I went to a movie theater and I watched Quiet Place 2. Mm. And setting aside the movie for a second, I'll, I'll talk about the movie. But it was wonderful. <laughs> it was just, it, it, the theater has always been a very special place to me. Yeah. Detached from, you know, annoying crowds or different things like that that you run into some sometimes. There, there's just something about going in and, ex, and, and just being completely immersed in the dark uh, surround sound, giant screen, and it's just for for two hours. Mm-hmm. You are as close as you can possibly be in this world, and I just I love the theater experience. I love everything from the minute you walk in. Uh, I even love the the stupid uh, huge reel of trailers that's way too long. <laughs> I love hour. every minute of it. Uh, my son loves it too. He'll look over at me every trailer. He'll look over at me I'm like, oh, we're gonna go see that one. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was it was surprisingly comfortable. I've been you know much more restrictive over the last week <laughs> than uh, than some other people. But uh, it was it was really nice. Yeah. And um, once once you're up for it, highly recommend it. Um, as for Quiet Place Two, uh, what you what you think of the first movie? I thought it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Just fine. Yeah. Just fine. I mean. <laughs> I really enjoyed the second one. The second one stays small, mm-hmm. but and it picks up right after the first one left off, but it, it goes out a little bit. And instead of just one storyline and one uh, central piece of tension, it almost runs three different storylines concurrently because some of the characters get separated and they're in different places. Mm-hmm. And they did a very good job of, of balancing that and expanding the world ever so slightly you actually get to see in these little almost vignettes you see two or three different other versions of how people are surviving Mm -hmm. and that was all very interesting to me and started to make me feel oh this this could in in a much more interesting way than i think walking dead 
support uh, a TV series. And I don't know if that would actually hold up, but it, it just seems like there's a lot more there. And again, because the movie stays small, it doesn't really have time to go out into some massive world building, but it does enough that it could in the future. Uh-huh. And then is his name Killian Murphy or Cillian Murphy? I thought it was Killian. Is Killian? Um, he's excellent in it. He actually, they the movie opens with a day one flashback to when the invasion first occurs. And you get just a little bit of him. He's mm-hmm. uh, he's one of the character that John Krasinski plays, one of his friends. And so the family knows him. And that's whose farm they go to when they're leaving oh, okay. their home. Uh-huh. Uh, they meet him. And he's had a very different experience. While they have, for the most part, survived as a family, still with some pretty bad stuff happening, but, but they've kind of survived up to that point. He's lost everything. Mm-hmm. And he's he's kind of at kind of a, a, a you know hair's edge of sanity, and I was very pleased. It's it's not a spoiler at all. It's just he's not the type of character who turns out to be a villain or mm-hmm. who is uh, somebody that you know makes poor decisions in in his battle with sanity or anything like that. Right. He's he's a genuinely good guy, mm-hmm. and I appreciated his addition to that story. So I I recommend it. I thought it was better than the first one. Uh, there's still some leaps in logic yeah. and things like that. Uh, one of the problems I have, I love the scenes where the deaf girl doesn't realize what dangers around her. Mm-hmm. The only problem with that is uh, for her to to kind of go out into this world, it's a very dangerous thing because how do you even know taking steps right. that you're not making noise or how do you know if you're moving through brush that you're not making louder noise than you think and so it seems it seems like it would be very difficult for her to survive in that world uh, without somebody right beside her keeping track of her noise and whatnot but if you can let go of that sort of thing very enjoyable movie great performances and um, like I said the the script is I think a little fuller and has a little bit more world building. Not enough yet where it feels like, ah, here's a full picture. Yeah. But just enough. I enjoyed the first one. I, there was a lot of cool world building in that. Mm-hmm. Just like the the um, way they set up how they were surviving and stuff yeah. that I re- like. It was really subtly done. It was more a showing thing rather than like, oh, we do this to, so this doesn't happen. It's more like they just had it and it was like, a fully flushed out world and then you pick up on it. And I, I like mm-hmm. that about it. I can't, I honestly, it's been whatever, three or four years since that came out. And I can't remember what my exact issues were with it, but I do, I think it was good. And I think I was really surprised with how well John Krasinski did with directing a horror yeah. movie. So I was surprised by that. He, and, and just not having to be in front of the camera too, mm-hmm. I feel like he has more time to to deal with more characters and more complexity there. Yeah. Um, either that or or maybe he just, as he's becoming more experienced, he's just becoming a better filmmaker. But the second one is just objectively a, a better made film than the first mm-hmm. one. It, well, that might not be fair, but it, it just it has more to do. And you can tell that that whoever's behind the camera has a bit of a defter hand mm-hmm. than in the first one. So, yeah, highly, highly recommend it, even if you don't think it's the greatest thing ever. It was just getting back to the theater. It was a good movie to kind of go back to the theater with. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. The only other thing that I've been watching recently, I kind of went through WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, and the Justice League Snyder Cut. Uh Uh, My quick impressions, WandaVision, absolutely loved it. I love when Marvel goes weird and bizarre. 
I'm all about it. Falcon Winter Soldier was a little more uh, run of the mill. Mm -hmm. It was good, had good character moments and things like that. You and I have talked about how uh, we we don't really have a grasp on what the villains were there for, yeah, or what they were trying to accomplish, and and it felt a bit hollow on that end, yeah. But the work they did with the main characters I thought was good, and I continue to get excited about Marvel making TV series just because they can do some weirder stuff. I'm really excited about the What If animated series coming. Mm -hmm. Now, you saw MODOK, correct? Yeah. I have not watched that yet. It's not connected to the MCU, but it's it's a Marvel property. How do they do with that? I thought it was great. And I know it doesn't – I don't think it got very good reviews or maybe really? – I think it might be – I don't know. It was less okay. than I was expecting. Hmm. Uh, it was like totally my sense of humor. I love Patton <laughs> Oswalt. Yeah. So it was really in my wheelhouse. I thought they do some fun stuff to like tie in the Marvel Universe. I mean like Iron Man shows up in it and uh, – just little like, you know, things like they're going through like a closet at um, trying to find some like a time device or something. And there's like just little trinkets through yeah. from the other movies in there. And it's like it's just fun That's stuff fun. like that. It's just fun. And actually, it is a surprisingly good story. It's like about this family. And it's just um, I, I really enjoyed it. Now, similar to better than worse than Rick and Morty, because just from the previews, I got the sense that it had that kind of, um, it's different than Rick and Morty. It's a different sense of humor. I mean, I, it's, I don't know. I think Rick and Morty is more pushing against like the edges of society in some way. Like, you know, they're just like pushing up against things and they're a little anarchic anarchy and I have a little bit of anarchy in there. There you go. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> but this is more, I don't know. It's just like more of a straight comedy. I don't okay. know. I, it's it's fun. Okay. Uh, I, Patton Oswalt, he's always one of my favorites. So The family and I are supposed to start watching it this week yeah, or next week. Yeah, I think week. you all enjoy wow, it. Wow, that just made me feel so old. <laughs> the family and I are going to watch it this week or next week. The family and I. The family and That's I. That's a sentence that only old men say or like mafiosos. Right. The family and I yeah. are going to watch That's it. a different picture. That's totally different. <laughs> it's the mafiosos watching. Anyway, I also watched uh, the Justice League Snyder Cut. Have you carved out four hours of your time to watch this thing? No, I want me to tell you how little interest I have in this. I would. I watched the Woody Allen Mia Farrow <laughs> documentary, in, which is four hours. It's, it's, and it's excellent. Very good. I yeah. watched that. They came out like around the same time where I noticed that the the same time and i watched that instead because i cared more about that than (laughs) slender cut um considering that that deals with child abuse Mm -hmm. it is still a more pleasant watch than the (laughs) justice league four-hour cut that's why i was like i was weighing them i was like huh i know that people really 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 like it and here's my theory i think one of two things is happening either uh they are so directly comparing it to the Joss Whedon theatrical cut, which of I Justice never saw League. that either. Keep it that way. Okay, but but I think that movie was so awful that by comparison, uh-huh. even though this movie is also awful, <laughs> it is uh, you know just compare contrast. Mm-hmm. It's infinitely better, and so infinitely better than really awful is still awful, but it, it tricks you into thinking it's better than it is. Right. It really is a long, long laborious movie it's just uh, anyway my second theory 
is that people wanted it so bad. It's like that kid at Christmas that just wants that one thing and they beg for it and beg for it and they finally get it. And when they open it, they know in their heart of hearts, this was not as good as I thought it was, but they want it to be. And so they play with it and they they try to get the most out of it. And they're just like, I, I wanted this so bad. Now I finally have it. It has to be great. Yeah. And so they tell all their friends how great it is. That's what I feel like every time I'm talking to somebody who loves the Justice League four-hour cut because I'm like, tell me exactly what it is you <laughs> liked. And they, I, I have yet to meet somebody that can really articulate what makes it a great film yeah. as opposed to better than the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would have much rather, I think, have seen uh, kind of a two, two-and-a-half-hour cut where this is what I would have released in theaters. Right. Not that I mind all the extra stuff, although I totally do. (laughs) I just, I would have liked to, if I'm going to compare, I want to compare apples to apples. Give me two theatrical cuts to compare. I've got Joss Whedon's, now let me see. Uh, The the problem, the main problem I have with Joss Whedon, uh, I thought when he did so many reshoots, I thought he he just fundamentally changed the film. He did not. He changed little things about it, but basically all of the the assets were already in place, all the concept art, all the designs, the costumes and all this. Of course, they're not going to redo all that. So, you know, he basically has to get in and play with the toys that he's been given. Uh-huh. And I think a lot of the fault there, I don't think he did a great job with it, but I don't think the toys were that great to begin with. Right. Everybody keeps singing praises of of how Cyborg is handled. And I was bored to tears by Cyborg. He is a mopey, mopey <laughs> kid that has all of these cool gadgets and, you know, he's near invincible and he can process all kinds of stuff, but he's just super sad. He doesn't have his legs. Like, really? <laughs> I'm sorry. I get it. Boo-hoo. I get it. If if I if I was, you know, severely injured, I'd be upset too. Right. Until literally until the point that they put all kinds of, you know, multi-trillion dollar cybernetics in me that just made me the most advanced being on the planet. Right. Yeah, it wouldn't bother me so much anymore. I think I'd be okay. Uh-huh. Just anyway. Have if you, you ever... love it, love it. Fine. I just, I I sat there and I watched it. And the whole time I'm like, well, well here's where it gets better. Well, here's where it gets better. Nope. Just. <sighs> Have you ever had that strong of a feeling about a movie where like you wish that like they did an alternate cut that like, I, I don't, I, if a movie's bad and I'm like, move on from it and don't care. It's not like, oh man, I wish I've never had that feeling about any movie. <laughs> I, I think the closest I've come, and it's not because it was a bad movie, was Rise of Skywalker. Uh-huh. I, 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 I didn't have huge problems with that movie. I enjoyed it for what it was, but I just, it didn't leave me feeling, you know, just blown away. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted that third movie in the new trilogy just to really blow me away and really make it like, see, this is why we told this story because it's it's such a good story to tell. And I didn't have that feeling. And so that's that's probably the closest I've come to like, I, I've even had the thought, man, if they came out tomorrow and said, you know what, we're just going to pretend that didn't happen. We're going to try again. I'd totally support that. I'd be like, yeah, give me, give me your redo. Uh, I'm on board as a fan, but yeah, but I, that's a little different because, like, I feel like he made the movie he wanted to make. Yeah, like so there was there's no alternate cut or like 
And the only reason I'm comparing that is yeah. because there there are moments in that third one where it feels like he didn't like what Last Jedi did. And so he's not just telling his story. He's yeah. correcting what he didn't like right. plus telling his story. Yeah. Um, so it'd be almost like he, the better thing to do is him go and actually direct the second one. Yes. Oh, I, I think that trilogy would be fantastic if he had gone from start to finish on it. Um, so, but, you know, who knows? Alternate reality. Um, it just... I would say time would tell because the Snyder Cut has taught us that if you just whine loud enough, yeah. kids, they'll throw more movie at you and you'll like it because you think that you move the world. But really, you just got a guy that got fired to throw some deleted scenes at you. A little harsh. He didn't get fired. Yeah, well. He stepped away. They they wanted to take control. I thought and, he stepped away because his daughter. Well, that was happening at the same time, but the movie was was pretty much in the can. He was already cutting it together the way he wanted, and Warner Brothers was very nervous about the way Batman and Superman had played and the reaction to it, and so they were getting in there and trying to muscle mm. his cut. And I think, you know, he's got all this personal stuff going on at home, which is way more than anybody should have to deal with. And it was just easier to step away and say, fine, you can have it. I don't have the fight in me. Mm -hmm. That's at least the impression I get from the many, 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 many interviews about it. <laughs> gotcha. So I, 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 do, I do appreciate that Warner, they did the same thing with the Donner cut of Superman. And they've done that with uh, the, the Matrix films in some ways and some other things where Maybe it takes some time, but they aren't entirely afraid of criticism or, or going back and showing an alternate cut. I appreciate that. I wish I wish more studios weren't so protective of of their materials and their films when there's when you know that there's been something that's gone through development hell and uh, you know now it's emerged from the other side. Yeah, I love American History X. I would love to see the cut of American History X. You know, the fabled first cut hmm. before Edward Norton had to get in there and, and retool it. Um, and not not even to just compare, just just for the experiment of, you know, I, I want to see what wasn't working so that I can appreciate what what really is working. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any movie where I've seen an alternate cut that made me change my mind about it. Uh, yeah. I mean, the original Blade Runner... I think the later cuts are better, yeah. but I don't have a lot of love for that movie, and it's always been a problematic film for me. Maybe um, I think, okay, Brazil. I love the Terry, his, uh, like, I think his final director's cut of that. See, that's all I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anything before that right. director's I cut. I feel like there's a whole section at the end that's missing in the other cut. Mm -hmm. And that is what really sells that movie for yeah. me. I That's one of my top five movies ever. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, so maybe that film. I don't know. That almost makes me want to just kind of go through and look at director's cuts out there and not watch them again, but figure out, are there director's cuts that really change my mind? Because yeah. There, there are small preferences, like, oh, I prefer this cut to the other cut, but very little when it comes to, wow, that really yeah, changed the Yeah, I feel like the they're game. never that dramatically different. Maybe a couple scenes here and there, but it never really makes me really look at it completely differently. Well, and that's, that, that is one interesting thing about the Justice League, no matter what you think of that four-hour cut, it is a dramatically different experience than the theatrical cut. And so it, it is interesting just from a film perspective to see how much a, a very similar script can have two entirely different 
pathways and it's it's not just ripple in the water it's it's very much an avalanche like every little change towards the beginning just has enormous changes throughout and it gets more and more different mm-hmm. as the movie goes along but uh yeah that's my very long and rambly <laughs> stay away uh there be monsters there or don't or don't you know love it yeah. who cares i don't know i'm a marvel <laughs> do kid. whatever you want you have free will yeah yeah i mean you've lived this last seven days and, and you got through the last seven days too so you know if you enjoy something good for you <laughs> you enjoy it this week <laughs> now i i do have a question I, I don't think we'll be visiting the trailer trailer this week but i did want to talk about trailers uh did you see the green knight trailer yes what'd you think I'm excited about it. Did it make you more excited, less excited? A little less. Why? Because I have the exact same feeling. Because there's a lot of questionable CGI in it. Yep. And I, the first impression I had from the other teaser trailer was it was going to be a very practical world. Yep. And there's still some of that in there. But how it expands and shows more of it, I, it made me less excited. That's exactly what happened to me. And usually that doesn't happen with yeah. a film like that. Usually as you see more, and especially as their effects work is coming through, it gets, ooh, this this looks... And it, it certainly has interesting elements to it. All I'm of going the elements, to watch it. All the elements they showed I liked in theory, but it was just the execution that was like... And maybe it'll get better as it gets closer, like the effects will get nailed down more. But I was just really hoping for this like... Guillermo de Toro like world yeah. of, because that's what like the green knight looks like and so I was expecting more of that and it would I don't know and and I think I don't think I'm ever going to be happy again with totally happy again with a film like that because of the direction of everything going so CGI and I, I don't think anybody's really going to do that anymore and so I think I'll always have this little like uh, yeah. like feeling like ah man I wish I wish it was it it started for me in the trailer it started with the fox yes instantly to my eye cg yep does not look real at all and it wasn't because you know it it, it wasn't something where you know it's a fictional element because it's talking fox it just didn't look right and at first i thought this has got to be my phone and so brought it up on big screen 4k nope same exact problems uh, you see kind of similar things once you get to shots of the giants and, and some of the more surreal landscapes. Um, it just, I had the exact same reaction. Well, I mean, wildly different film and uh, and whatever you want to think about it, but Antichrist has a talking fox in it yep. and it looks great. Photo real. Photo real. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, man, you're like, it's doable. Yeah. And I mean that that movie is in black and white. It's 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 got some different things where or not black no, and white, it's but very it's, monochrome, it's that monochromatic. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. but you know it, it it has some elements to it. But regardless of that, you still have to know uh, as an FX house how to match lighting and shadows and things like that. Mm-hmm. To it's it's not just the model work itself. Even the original Jurassic Park. If oh, you right. look at the model of the T Rex coming out of there, you can tell when you really examine it. 
it's not some super advanced, you know, modern day CG creation, but they shot it very intelligently and they did it with uh, specific light sources and shadow and rain. And it just reads. Oh, yeah. So photoreal. I think it always looks better. Yeah. Even if the <laughs> puppet or whatever is a little wonky. Yeah. I feel like it always looks better. Yeah. Well, and that's with the T-Rex. You've got yeah. all of these large puppet shots mm-hmm. interspersed. A little bit of CG where you get the full body. And so it really sells those CG shots because you have so much practical right. around it. Yeah. I feel like CGI is really good for like background work, cleaning up things. Sometimes uh, certain characters can like depending on what kind of character it is, it yeah. can work. But as I feel like this is my my old man thing. Yeah. I'm just like complaint and uh, I don't know. Shameless plug on YouTube, uh, there's a series by Corridor Crew called VFX Artists React to Good and Bad CG. They have a stunt one, too, and an animation one they started. Great series, uh, a lot of fun to watch, but it, it digs in and it talks about, you know, why these things catch your eye. Because it's not always obvious. Right. Um, a lot of times you just you can tell something's not real, but you can't put your finger on mm-hmm. it. And they go through shots and, and even look at, oh, that's just because the shadow's over here and look at the lighting on the rest of the background. You know, that's that's not even CG. They just comped it in. Right. But they didn't have the lighting right in the, the green screen shot. Right. Um, you can even see that in a lot of the Marvel movies in Justice League. There are shots that look far superior mm-hmm. in Justice League to other shots. And in the Marvel movies, some Marvel movies get it really well. Yeah. Some do not. Endgame is is pretty near flawless with a lot of its its comp and its CG. Yeah. But it still has its moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I, I was just curious what you thought. I'm still going to see the thing. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Um, I mean, I love that director. I yeah. mean... So I, I'm excited about it. I'm just hoping that maybe it isn't a big CG spectacle yeah. and there's a little more practicality to the world. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming, uh, what what was your reaction to Nomadland winning Best Picture? I, I really liked that film. I'm. It was such a weird year for films mm-hmm. and there was a lot of just smaller movies that in that kind of indie realm that came out and i i was like i'm excited that movies like that are getting recognition i i thought it was a really great movie just a very subtle character piece so i didn't really have anything that i was aiming like really hoping would win and so i was like happy with that that one did did you see the eternals trailer yeah, I did. Okay, what'd you think of that? Because that's the the director of Nomadland. You look unimpressed. Well, I know nothing about okay. Eternals at all. So the whole thing, I was just like, I don't know what's happening at all. <laughs> like, really, I, I was yeah. like, this is, could be anything. Yeah. Like, I have no idea. I mean, I think it looked fine, but I just have no frame of reference for any of that. Okay. What do you think? I thought it was gorgeous. Oh, okay. I've watched it like 22 times. <laughs> it's it's sad how many times I've put that on from the music to the cinematography. Uh, from the moment before the trailer even came out, from the moment I had read an interview where uh, Kevin Feige, producer at Marvel, was talking about how when Daily started coming in from the set, he thought it was already color graded and things like that. And it was like, no, that's just she captured that. Mm-hmm. One location. That's right. what the shots look like. And so going into the trailer, I really wanted to see what blew him away. And and so I was looking at that a lot. And I just, I couldn't get 
a sense of of story characters or anything it's just a teaser i was just uh kind of smitten with the cinematography oh okay so uh, maybe i need to rewatch it from that because yeah. i was looking at it from just understanding the story i think yeah. it i mean from what i'm, I can I'm remember, curious it where good. it goes because it's much more dc's always had the godlike characters marvel's yeah. always had the down-to-earth characters and the eternals have those down-to-earth kind of characteristics but they are more that pantheon of, of okay. kind of god heroes and so I'm curious how Marvel handles that, uh, because it, because it's it it is much more of a direct comparison to like a Justice League. Okay. So, uh, I don't know. Did you see Nomadland? No, not yet. Oh, okay. No, I have spent so much time watching so many things in the last seven days <laughs> that I just haven't squeezed that one in there yet. It's good. So, I, I I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So today we are going to take a look at three films, uh, three newer films. Well, two films in an anthology series. We're going to cover Nobody, uh, which stars Bob Odenkirk. Uh, we're going to cover uh, Army of the Dead from our good buddy, Zack Snyder, <laughs> uh, which is on Netflix currently. And then we're going to talk about volume two of Love, Death and Robots, which compared to the 18 episode first volume is is an eight episode, just a, just a little nugget of animation. Animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're going to talk about that, but let's start with nobody. Uh, nobody is a, a John Wick like uh, action adventure uh, thriller, I suppose you could say, uh, about a guy who has a, a shady special forces background, and he, uh, of course, runs afoul of the Russian mob. Violence ensues, more violence ensues, and more violence ensues. Mm-hmm. Clint, what did you think about nobody? Well. The John Wick series, I've only actually finished the first one. I I know I'm in the minority on this, that I just don't have any interest or love for those films. <laughs> um, and it's probably for strange reasons. Mainly the music throws me out of it. Yeah, you really hated the soundtrack I, in yeah, the first movie. Yeah, I did. And it's somehow... I mean, gun violence, gun action, I never draws me in. Like, give me a raid movie hand-to-hand combat mm-hmm. i'm more interested i guns are boring to me i don't care now did you enjoy nobody more because early on it is a lot of when when he first kind of goes toe-to-toe in the bus mm-hmm. with that initial portion of the the russian gang did you enjoy that because that's very kind of bare knuckle um one of the things I noticed, John Wick is very—he's supposed to be this surgeon. He is—he is, he is yeah. a precision instrument, and in Nobody, uh, Bob Odenkirk's character is not precise at all. He is a hammer. He just, yeah, he's a hammer, a sledgehammer at that, and he takes as much of a beating as he gives, and he—he he doesn't seem to care. He almost uh, seems to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Did you like that style? For that kind of movie better yeah i did i enjoyed it. and from the get-go i love bob odenkirk so mm-hmm. much so that was my end point like um so i did enjoy it more than the john wick movies it still had some of the same issues i, I honestly think the story is not the greatest story and there's some questionable things about his character that i don't quite understand um but I think the action was a lot more fun. I think not that it because it was Bob, it could have been more comedic. I think it was a little overly serious for what it was. And it does get a little more bonkers as it goes on. But I think 
overall, I did enjoy it more. And I think Bob Odenkirk was doing most of that heavy lifting for me. Which which is surprising on two fronts. One, I, I figured just from his, his work in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, and it's not that I didn't have any sort of respect for him before that. I just, I don't think I had a grasp on how strong of a dramatic actor he was. And they really lean into that nobody. Mm-hmm. Uh, because essentially, other than some of the early laughs and how he handles fights and things like that, which aren't played for laughs, they're just, they're inherently funny. He's kind of the straight man to all of these other weird characters. Yeah. It's it's the the mafia, the Russian mafia boss that's this very just kind of colorful character. It's Christopher Lloyd as his dad. Yeah. That's that's kind of hamming it up. And, you know, I haven't seen Christopher Lloyd in a hot minute, but there he is. And... <laughs> well, especially in a role like that, I don't think I've ever seen him in a <laughs> yeah. role like that. That's it's actually back to the future four. Oh. He just he tucks shotguns <laughs> in the retirement home and takes out any other time travelers. He that just come got along. back from the old west and <laughs> yeah. Like... yeah. And uh, Weirdly, the thing that was really disappointing to me is when when Bob Odenkirk is hearing the voice of his brother over the radio, I was convinced that it was Kenneth Michael Williams oh. <laughs> from The Wire, just convinced. And suddenly when um, uh, what's his name shows up, uh-huh. I'm just like, wait, what? And then I had this very distracting moment. I'm like, well, does that make me racist? Because, because well, I never saw. Was it his brother? Yes, I never even picked. Uh, it's it's that. like an adopted brother sort of oh, okay. thing, but they were both in special forces. Okay, uh, but yeah, it was just it was such a distracting moment, and then oh. I had to question whether I was being racist. I'm like, no, I'm not, because anyway, lots of reasons. Is it Method Man? Sure. No. Or is it Red Rizza? Man, Method Man, Rizza. Rizza. It's Rizza okay. from those terrible kung fu movies. Uh, <laughs> the Man with the Iron Fists. Did you ever see those? No, I never. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, but anyway, um, it 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 got it it almost got a little too Roger Rabbit at the end for me. It, I, it got I, really zany. I wish it was warehouse. zany throughout. If they were going to end there, yes. Yeah. I I just felt like the bus fight that begins the film completely different than the action scene that ends the film. They almost felt like two different movies. Bob Odenkirk keeps his character very consistent. It's just like the tone of the film shifts a a little too jarringly. And yeah, I would have much rather had a little more cartoonishness early on and throughout or a little more seriousness at the end. Mm -hmm. Uh, Either way, I I think I would have been okay. But soundtrack vastly better than John Wick 1. Yeah, for sure. I wasn't completely distracted by... I think I called it porno base (laughs) when we went over John Wick and why I hated them. Did you ever see Hardcore Henry? Yeah. Okay. Same director. Okay. That might um, be why, because I actually enjoyed that film. Okay. But it's it's over the top oh, it's from super beginning over the top. to end. Yeah. Way over the top. And I think that's why I enjoyed it more, because yeah. it's just totally bonkers. Okay. And uh, I think if this had gone a little bit more, like they let him a little bit more yeah. loose with it, I would have even enjoyed it more. But I, I liked it. I I don't know. The producer is from uh, the John Wick series, and I'm really curious. There's already been talk of them crossing over uh, sometime in the future, and I would love that sort of thing. Just I I, I do enjoy this breed of action movies, and it's it's 100% Asian influence because this has been things they've been doing for decades. Right, where your stunt guys are the ones who are stepping up. Your stunt coordinators are the ones stepping up and the ones with certain talents are making films. And they're really just a showcase for 
stunt work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, story's a little thin or you have some problems there. I feel like we're just in the infancy of that in America. Whereas you go and you watch like a Jackie Chan catalog. I mean, they are just masters. You go and watch the Raid series. They are masters of their craft and how to balance action with, you know, just, just enough story to propel you from scene to scene. But they're so inventive in those scenes. One of the things I like about John Wick 3 compared to 1 and 2, I know you haven't seen it, 3 is very inventive. Mm. You can tell that they either heard or they started to feel, wow, 1 and 2, the action is really clean and really good, but it's very Mm samey. And the third one, they just find new ways to, to invent, and they have a lot of fun with that. Uh, and nobody felt the same way. It felt like they were trying to make kind of different fights throughout. Yeah, which I appreciated. It 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 didn't get redundant to me or repetitive, um, other than some of those tonal problems. One of the things it had a little bit of like against like when I went into it that this past week was a hard week. Mm-hmm. And as I went through my list, you might have noticed there's a lot of comedy, like Mm -hmm. we were talking. This was one of the first, like, action, and it's a very hard action, like, gory. And I haven't watched anything like that in a while, so I was, like, a little shocked because – and so that I had to get used to. It was not pigeon on a roof. No. (laughs) Branch. Branch roof. (laughs) On a wire. On a wire. Complete opposite of that. Complete, like, oh man. But so it took me a while to settle into it in like, it was like shock to my system because I have not watched anything like that in a while. And it was so, it might've taken like that. I might've enjoyed it more if I had seen some more things like that beforehand. Um, well, I would certainly, if you like the John Wick films, I would I would definitely recommend nobody. If you enjoy Bob Odenkirk, I would recommend nobody. I... You know, I, I would kind of warn people not to rush into it thinking it's just the greatest thing ever, uh, which some people are, are proclaiming it to be. This is just the, you know, the the next evolution of action film. And it's it's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious what they do with it in the future. Um, I was more I was really surprised. Like I had heard some interviews with Bob Odenkirk promoting it. And at first I was like, oh, well, they had this idea and they came to him and they proposed it. And he was like, probably took a while to get himself convinced to do it. And then finding out that actually it was his idea, <laughs> he went to them and was really? like, he went to the, them and was like, hey, I got this idea. It was actually came out of like a personal trauma. Like his family, his home was invaded. Oh, like, wow. Like, so it, like he was trying to come up with this way <laughs> to like deal with the trauma of it. It was like, like. The opening scene was like similar to what. Interesting. So he came, went to them, and he's like, "Hey, I, I want to do an action movie, and I want to be the star of it." And like, so they went along with it, and they got him ready for it. He trained for a long time, um, I think years, hmm. and um, got into the physical condition. And so that really made me more interested. It's like, oh, this was kind of a personal project for him. So that I, I was more, I don't know, it, it gave me 
more respect for it. To his credit, if I had never seen him on something else, I would have thought he is, uh, you know, an action finesse Liam Neeson type. Oh, he reminded uh, me of Bruce Willis. Veteran actor. Yeah. Like, yeah, I like, would have, yeah. I would have never. Like, I would give him a Die Hard film to oh, do. Oh, yeah. Like, he oh, yeah. fit that role really well. Well, and it's interesting that you mentioned Die Hard. I hadn't connected that before, but he has that, especially in that first Die Hard, he has that same kind of feeling of, the the very normal guy you buy him as yeah. this just sad sack husband with a not great family things just aren't going well for him and you also buy him as a guy that's just ripping people to pieces mm-hmm. in in the middle of a bus um and so i hadn't connected that before but it's that very blue collar uh action oriented hero right hmm. well one thing i was thinking about too also which kind of threw me off was it wasn't that is his lo- kind of love and missing violence. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that he like missed that like that job in the. It was just his like he just wanted violence, yeah. like going and picking that fight on the bus. So that was kind of like if if it was more like he felt bad that he didn't protect his family and was trying to make up for that. And it was, he knew he was capable of it. Yeah. But what he really was like angry, like with himself was that he, he just hasn't been able to commit violence in a while. And that kind of threw me off from the movie a little bit. It like, it put a bad taste in my mouth. Um, but I don't know. That's just me. I, it is a fun action movie. Yeah. And that's hard, too, because that you never know when you watch a movie and that's your feeling or, or your personal reaction. Is that because the movie messed something up or is that my week? Is that my year? Is that my just where I'm at in my headspace? Right. Um, and that's tough when you come to a movie because you can come to a movie and absolutely love it and then watch it five years later and hate it or vice versa. Right. And a lot of times it's just where you were in life, what was going on at the time and, and whether that provided you kind of that that perfect escapism that you needed in the moment. So speaking of (laughs) escapism, let's talk Army of the Dead, Mm -hmm. our good buddy Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Now, I have some pretty strong thoughts about this. Me too. You also have some. I I would like to propose that Mm -hmm. that I'm just going to explain what the plot is. Okay. And then I think we go just spoiler free and we talk about this thing because I don't know how to really just express everything I feel about this movie without getting into some spoiler Okay, territory. we're going to do spoilers. We're going to do spoiler. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, spoiler free for about 30 seconds okay, okay. here. Okay. And then we're just going to, you know, if you haven't watched Army of the Dead yet, tune out now. Uh, skip ahead to the next movie because <laughs> I got some spoilers. So Army of the Dead. Let me see if I can take this plot and just cram it down into a Joss Whedon cut synopsis. <laughs> Army of the Dead uh, finds some sort of super zombie uh, that is a muddled mix of of alien and military whatever gone awry. We don't know. We don't care. Uh, this thing escapes from the army and goes out into the desert, and it's some sort of super zombie, and it descends on Las Vegas. Fast forward over over a very explosive-y uh, title sequence. Uh, Vegas is completely overrun with zombies. I do not know why they only stay in Vegas, but that's what we're asked to believe. They stay in Vegas long enough to surround the entire city with shipping crates. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Anyway, yes. Uh, and now it, it it's it's quite quite a bit of time removed from that initial containment. A few years. A few, sure, sure. I don't know. I don't care. Here's what happens. A week. Uh, this rich guy comes to Drax the Destroyer from Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> <laughs> and says, "Hey, there's some money." in one of the casinos in there because nobody's ever thought to go and raid any of these casinos. It definitely didn't happen while it was like no. getting overrun. I want you to take uh, just a highly skilled uh, team of misfits and outcasts, and I want you to go in there, and the money is yours. I just want a cut of it. You're going to go get all this money. And uh, so it's a heist film. It's, it's a bunch of people invading zombie overrun Las Vegas to break into a casino get some cash, and come back out. It is Ocean's Eleven plus... Uh, I, I don't know how to insult. Let me just cut right to the spoilers. Uh, this movie... <laughs> this movie mm-hmm. is a lot of movie. Yeah. It is a lot of movie crammed it's into It's a lot of, of movies. A yes. lot of kind of movies. Yes. And none of them do anything as particularly well as the movies that it so blatantly borrows from. Yeah. Clint, how did you feel about Army of the Dead? I strongly dislike this film. (laughs) And I'm convinced that Zack Snyder is just not for me now. There's nothing that's good. Like, I don't think I should watch any of his films anymore. I did not like (laughs) this film. You did like 300 and Watchmen, correct? Yeah, that was a... It was... was, I'm I'm not saying it wasn't a long time ago. I'm just... you You did initially like... Yes, but now I'm questioning if I was actually talking to my brother about this. Like, mm-hmm. if I went back and watched Watchmen, would I still like it? I have had that same thought, and it has been sitting on my shelf, and I want to go back to it because I really liked it, but I'm scared. Yeah. Because I liked it so much, and, and I have fond memories of it. Now, I have gone back and watched 300, and I very much still enjoy that. But 300 is, most of the time, a panel-for-panel panel recreation exact, yeah, that's what I like adaptation. About it. Yeah, of a work that was already hailed and, yeah. and that's very good. Right. It's a very economic film. I feel like as he's gone on, and it, it kind of started with Watchmen, his movies have gotten longer and more bloated and more convoluted, and Watchmen still had cohesion, I think. Yeah. But there again, it's being adapted from a rich work that right. there's plenty to do with. And even then, the length is like, well, but there was so much in the graphic novel Right. We need more space to play with. How long is that movie? I want to say three hours. Yeah. Now, there's an ultimate cut that's a little longer. Okay. I think the theatrical might have been Is that the one that cuts in the like animated section? Yeah. yeah. Uh, which, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. I appreciate what they were trying to do, but I was glad they didn't try to cram that into the theatrical. Right. But since Watchmen, mm-hmm. I, I really just movie after movie, I feel like he is kind of off the rails. I'll, I'll defend Army of the Dead a tiny bit. Heavy eye roll there. Uh, that <laughs> I could actually hear it. On the mic. <laughs> you could hear it. Yeah, your eyelash yeah. is just like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you go back and listen to this recording, <laughs> <laughs> that's my eyes rolling. Uh, the one thing I will say is, is I feel like this is his best movie of his last post Watchmen films. Right. Uh, I I did enjoy this, God help me, more than the four hour Justice League cut. I certainly enjoyed it more than Sucker Punch. Mm. Um so so there there are things about this that I enjoyed, but most of what I enjoyed was the cast. Uh and not even the whole cast. Do not get me wrong. I just I love Dave Batista. 
Yeah. And and I don't think he had a lot to work with, but I enjoyed him here. And um, <laughs> I really like Dave Bautista. <laughs> I I, uh, I, uh, I did not like and the guy with the guy with saw. I've seen him before in some other stuff. Uh, he's he's a good actor. But he I hated didn't even that get character. to use a saw, really. Well, I yeah. <laughs> I only liked the safecracker guy. Safe. Oh yeah, German safecracker. I, I did enjoy him. him. He's apparently a, a, a pretty famous German television and film actor. Okay. Uh, yeah, he I did enjoy him. But I, I couldn't really. Place. He's been in. I watched a, a video. It was like where you've seen these people before, yeah. and whatever it was with him, I, I recognized like, oh yeah, that that is why I've seen him before. Yeah, he was fun. Um, and that's okay. This is what I wanted. Okay, I actually enjoyed the opening montage. Mm-hmm. That was. The section I liked of this film, yeah. and that's over the credits. Yeah. I wanted Logan Lucky with zombies. Yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted. It should have been more. It's. It, Zach I don't Snyder. think Zack Snyder can make that movie. No, he is too overly serious. All of the scenes are way too dramatic. He had to put a rape story in here. There's a rape story in this. Where's thing. the rape story? The, the guy who's raping all the women in oh, the. Oh co- yeah. They had to have that in there. You're right. I forgot there's a about whole that long part. ten. Well, I'm gonna say it's ten minutes. I mean, they don't show anything, no. but it's still a. There's a ten minute a, scene a where that guy was that guy who's t- the overseeing the camp, yeah. being a real creepy jerk to yeah. his daughter, yeah. and like saying horrible. Like, really, we needed that whole section. And just so they could, you know, spoilers, sacrifice the right. guy. But there's like you could but, do that so much quicker oh, yeah, and like economically. And you you just you don't need to do that much. And it would have been even a more interesting story beat if he wasn't so loathsome. And the fact that half of them step up and try to defend it. Right. Now it just felt like no, this guy's way too far in that direction. So so they they go for this heist, and of mm. course the heist is just a ruse. Right. Uh, because what they really want is zombie blood. Now explain to me, Clint, if what they really want is zombie blood, and even if it's from this queen zombie, because there's this whole layer of zombies that are super zombies that are smart zombies, smart fast zombies, and then there are shamblers, slow stupid zombies. But they want. I guess this rich guy wants the blood of one of these alpha zombies. They encounter this girl, this queen zombie, from the minute they walk in the place. Mm -hmm. In the exact same scene later as when they capture, except right now there's like 15 of them. They're right at the door. Right. I mean, right at the entranceway, right at the shipping crates. Which, sorry, then later you have these scenes of these alpha zombies just running, scaling walls, jumping huge right. heights, yeah. but shipping containers are keeping... Anyway. Uh, but it's their kingdom. But, but oh, oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. right. But right at the beginning, I mean, that's it. Why the ruse? Why the heist? Just walk in, take out the one that comes out, and just drag her back out, uh, and, and you're done. End right. of movie. Right. You don't even need to have this whole plot of, like, the heist. No. No. And it would have been more interesting if it was just, like, a crew of people coming together, Logan Lucky style. Hey, there's money in there. We're going to bust in, and we're going to go get some money. Just 
simple story. Give me the simple story, drop all the backstabbing, drop all of the dramatic backstory, and oh, my daughter just happens to have to come with me because somebody else that she's close to went in there. And oh, by the way, uh, we know that the nuclear bomb is supposed to fall on Vegas <laughs> in three days. But Wait, when we no, get in actually, there, actually, the president today. decides, you know what? It'd be better on July 4th. It's today. Now, Clint, hmm. I don't know a lot about nuclear warfare. Yes. I don't know about nuclear bombs. The most that I've ever learned about nuclear bombs is from Indiana Jones and the Kingdom <laughs> of the Crystal Skull. And I know that if there is a and nuclear that... explosion, you get in a refrigerator. That's, that's, that's the extent of my knowledge. So I'm not an expert here. But, <laughs> but that, that really happened. It really, true story. that's a true story. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that if you know a nuclear bomb is about to hit your location in nine hours, you leave. Right. And nine hours may not even be enough time to find a vehicle that will get you out of Dodge fast enough. Right. Because a nuclear explosion, pretty hefty. Yeah. Pretty There's hefty. Fallout and all that. Lots kind of, of fallout. Yeah. Uh, and these people are just like, well, we've, you know, we got nine minutes left. Nine minutes to escape a <laughs> nuclear blast in a helicopter? And save somebody. <laughs> they have to go save somebody. Fly back. They have to and... fly to another building, save some people, and then that's in nine minutes. If you enjoy this movie, again, wonderful. Congratulations. I am so happy that you can watch something like this, laugh, have a good time, and just walk away without ever thinking about, wait a minute. But there were so many wait a minute moments yeah. in this movie that would just rip me out constantly. Okay. I have three things. One, okay, I did enjoy Tignataro. Yes. That was fantastic. Should have been more. That was, so when I was in my hunt there after Dave Batista, yeah. Tignataro. Should have been more hilarious. Her. Love her. Two, <laughs> aren't zombies enough? You would think. Why do they have to be fast? They're always scarier when they're slow. And alpha zombies, smart zombies, zombies that glow blue eyes sometimes. Yes. Pretty sure zombies with metal skulls. Right. Some. Right. I did Which, not understand that. So in an interview with Zack Snyder, he does this cheeky little, well, maybe they're robots that the, the humans have put in there to observe. And like, what are you even talking I about know. right now? I read something with him, too, saying, like, oh, there might have been robots. And then I was like, when I was watching it, I was so confused. I was like, wait, are these robots? Because yeah. some of them were clearly robots. Yeah but never referenced at all. You can't just drop that kind of visual information and not explain it. No. It, it, it serves as this huge, huge distraction. Mm -hmm. All right, so that was two. Three. <laughs> you don't even skip a beat. Three. He's, if, if you could see Clint right now, he's not even looking at his notes. He is just like armed <laughs> to the teeth. One. Well, two. these are popping up as we're going. Yeah. So one. <laughs> Aren't zombies? Okay. One, Tignataro is great. She is. Two, <laughs> aren't regular zombies enough? I think so. Yeah. Three, I completely forgot. <laughs> I'll tell you who It'll else come shares. Back. It'll come back to me. I will tell you who shares your point number three is the screenwriter or screenwriters 
of this movie because I think they forgot what they were doing. I really, this feels like, have you, I, I don't know how much creative writing you ever did in school, Not but much. there's an exercise where you have a classroom full of, of 20 people, 25 people, and you each have a piece of paper and you each start a story mm-hmm. and you write one right. sentence and then you pass the paper. Is that an exquisite corpse? Is that what that's called? I don't know. I, I think it might be. I don't know. That's a great name for yeah. it. If not, steal that. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but you pass it around the room, and by the time your story comes back to you, it's now 20, 25 sentences long. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know when you're writing the end of the story. You know where you're at in the story as the papers pass around. But then you get to read this bizarro story that's just accumulated right. from all these different people that are just reading – you know, what you've put before it. And all it takes is one person to just write a weird sentence and completely throw the story off. That's what this movie felt like to me. Right. At every point, it felt like a different movie, mm-hmm. just consistently. Yeah. I, because I've been watching the VFX artists react, what I ended up doing, because I was just not enamored with this movie at all. I just started looking at the the special effects. Uh, yeah. and, and there are a lot of very good effects. There are a couple of not great effects. Uh, for some tiger? reason... <laughs> horse? The tiger, the horse. The horse, I think, is practical with just a little CG touch. Maybe not. The helicopter. Yeah. Once that helicopter gets flying, that is a... the most CG helicopter, yeah. CG aircraft since like Air Force One. Yeah. That weird plastic toy tumbles yeah. into the ocean. But uh, it, for the most part, they do a lot of, of really high-end VFX, and there's a lot of impressive stuff there. There's some there's some fair amount of stunt work, but... For for somebody like Zack Snyder who loves slow motion, yeah. there's a lot of choppy edits in the action to this movie. Um, I appreciate you had mentioned the Raid movies. The Raid movies will just pull back the camera and just sit and let two artists fight. And you see you see the choreography, you yeah. see the work, you see the artistry and the talent and the skill and what they're doing. This it you know you could you could literally have somebody rear back a punch then it cuts to another shot where the punch connects then it cuts to another shot as the person drops and it just it almost felt like a strobe light at yeah, times. Yeah. Um, I remembered three. Oh, three. It takes an hour. <laughs> it takes an hour before they get inside. Yeah. Yeah. And the team building is not no. even interesting. No. No. Most of the characters are not interesting. No. No. I. I would have I would have much rather had a three person crew, uh, literally just the only three characters in yeah. there. Then I I think you would have had more time. I appreciate what they were trying to do with the alpha zombies. I like the idea of there being. I wanted it to work. <laughs> I appreciate the idea that there are different levels of creature in here. That didn't bother me. The execution of it bothered me. They weren't interesting. It was it was literally just. One's fast, one's slow, one's strong, one's dumb. One's it. It was just. It was very. Nothing piqued my interest. It didn't. It didn't engage me, uh, in a way that that made me want to know more. Other than why does that one have a shiny skull? Why does that one have blue eyes? Yeah. What's well, happening? Why here? did his head explode into sparks when he was yeah. shot? Yeah. I just don't need smart 
or fast zombies. Yeah, the whole idea of zombies is scary enough to me. That's scarier that they're slow and you just can't. It's like the relentlessness of death coming, marching forward. Uh, not marching forward was the whole scene where they're hibernating. Oh. <laughs> zombies hibernating. <laughs> sure. Why not? Why not? Let's just, yeah, we're going to sneak past these hybrid, like through these hibernating zombies. That's more interesting yeah. than them just coming. Ah, uh, Ken, I didn't like this movie. I, I also did not like this movie. So what I'm hearing is don't watch this movie. Or do whatever, do whatever you want. I, I just. I love how this last week has really just left you with like, you know what? If it makes you happy, it's fine. Right. I can see. I think Zack Snyder is just not for me. Like every decision he he does, I would do the opposite. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. All right. You know what I mean? I I 100% know what you mean. Overly, I, it's overly dramatic when it doesn't need to be dramatic. Yeah. <sighs> I hear you. Okay. My heart hears you. <laughs> That's even more important. My heart hears you. Clint. Would you tell people to watch this film? No. Okay. I told you to watch this film because I wanted this. Well, I actually. I wanted. See, I was angry yeah. and I needed to share <laughs> that anger with somebody else. So now that you're uh, in the mode you're in, it makes me feel better about my life. <laughs> In the three hours I spent. Well, I was hoping it'd be like I like I said I wanted Logan Lucky with zombies. Yeah. I was hoping it'd be weirder and f- like have a little bit more awareness of what it is. Yeah. Rather that every scene that's actually with characters is overly dramatic and uh, melodrama. Yeah. Instead of being like, okay, let's give Tignataru some more one-liners. And some, okay, we're going to have weird zombies. Let's make them weird. Let's have Elvis zombies. Like, okay, the opening scene's great. We're going to have Elvis. Like, you're in Las Vegas. One of the weirdest cities in the country. Let's have stripper zombies and Elvis zombies all clash together. Have fun with it rather than like, okay, some are fast. Some can think a little bit. One has a baby. Uh, And on that... Let's, let's go ahead. Let's let's wade out of this this dumpster fire. Yes, and let's uh, let's close out the episode. We're going to talk about Love, Death, and Robots Volume Two. It is also on Netflix. It is eight episodes long, and uh, the the first volume we've talked about on the podcast before. It was eighteen episodes, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think both of our our shared opinion of it was. It was it was hit or miss, but that's what you expect from an animated anthology. Yeah. But there was enough, uh, you know, good good segments there to justify the watch. Right. Uh, so, uh, volume two is not only I think different in tone; it's it's drastically shorter. Yeah. It's only eight episodes. You can probably watch all eight in about seventy minutes, maybe mm-hmm. eighty. Uh, Clint, what did you think of volume two? I. <sighs> Was not expecting to go in and be so underwhelmed, but yeah. I was really underwhelmed by it. And I, maybe it was because I enjoyed myself quite a bit more with the first anthology. Yeah. There was, I feel like it, the hit ratio was so much higher. And in even the first the one, one. In the first one. Yeah. And I feel like the ones I didn't like, I still enjoyed in some way there was still stuff to enjoy about them this one i 
I think overall I liked like two of them out of eight. Well, let's talk about those hits. What yeah. what were your two? Because I'm pretty sure our two are a little bit different. My first one was the Christmas episode. Yes. Which is, which episode is that? Oh, that was... Uh, six. Uh, all Through the House. Yeah. Which is <laughs> so fun. It's like it. stop motion. Love it. Uh, kids walking, coming downstairs, they hear Santa, and Santa is not what you think it's going to be. No. It's totally surprised. The design is wonderful. The, wonderful the, yeah. the, the story is super simplistic. It's seven minutes. It's just about that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really funny. And there is no love, death, or robots. No, there isn't. At all. So it, it, it doesn't even make sense. Yeah. But which I like. They early on kind of abandoned yeah. that. So I, by that point, I was like, okay, they're just doing whatever. Yeah. It's kind of like maybe whatever they could find. Maybe they were having a hard time finding things, or I don't know. It just seems, especially during a pandemic, it seems like getting animated shorts. And maybe I just woefully misunderstand the animation industry but i know that that there are different studios making these but they have to be smaller teams i would think right when you're yes. not working on a feature film so yeah. it just it seems like you could farm out all kinds of stuff but but i've even i'm going off track here but i've even seen just better uh amateur animation not the animation itself but as far as story and and things like that uh just pulling up on youtube um, so it, it just, it doesn't seem like, like why only eight episodes? But yes, I, I totally agree with you. Christmas episodes was, or the Christmas episode, absolutely loved every minute of it. I've actually gone back and watched that several times. I showed it to Levi, I showed it to some other people. Cause just like that was worth the whole watch for me. Yeah. Because it's like a very contained, it's very, I think it's really fine balance doing these short form things mm -hmm. where you're not stretching it so thin where you're feels like it's missing something and it yeah. feels contained and a story has been told. Yeah. And then it, certain ones that are longer, yeah. that have more time, feel like they're really missing something because they stretch themselves. The world was too big and you couldn't, they couldn't tell it all in that amount of time. What was the second one you The liked? second one I really liked was the last one, The Drowned Giant. Mm -hmm. Um, I, ha I mean, if you ever, you've seen my artwork, I mean, oh, yes. I do deal with giants often, but I thought that was a really beautiful, just self-contained story. I mean, it's simple. Um, and it might be because I had just watched those, uh, Roy Anderson films, which are, um, just very light on an overarching storyline and more just on a feeling about life and this kind of was in the same vein and i mm -hmm. thought they like a lot of them i did not care for because i don't i'm not super interested in these hyper realistic photorealistic animation styles where it's just computer generated i know there's a lot of work that goes into it but it's just it looks like a video game cutscene, and i don't care and even the best because because there are some very impressively photoreal segments in this. Uh, Life Hutch is one starring um, Michael Jordan, Michael mm. B. Jordan. And uh, there's another one that has moments with the the albino immortal. Mm -hmm. And in, in both of those, they can look really good, especially in still shots. But then there's there's just something where they don't get it quite right, that that uncanny valley, yeah. and it immediately rips you out of it, as opposed to 
there is photorealism in the drowned giant, yeah, but, but it's, it's stylized. so stylized. Yeah. Just enough where it doesn't approach that uncanny valley because it's not trying to be photoreal. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's just it's so impressive. Yeah. Uh, And it it really becomes a work of art as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, it also reminded me because there is an artist and I can't recall his name who does these amazing gallery pieces where Mm -hmm. they're oversized humans. Like they'll do he does like a baby and it's like. I mean, I don't know, a, a story tall. It's just mm. like fills up the entire space of the gallery and it's hyper-realistic and photorealistic, but on that scale, it's so unnerving. So it, it gave me the feeling of that. Mm. And it's just the, I, I thought it was a really beautiful little story. I, I loved I loved the storytelling and the narration of that one. That was really, I love the style. I love that it kind of harkened back to uh, almost older literature, more yeah. more 19th century literature, early 20th century. I love that. And there was this weird unspoken tension because the whole time you're dealing with this, it's, it's in the title, the thing is dead, but everything in you, because this is so much larger than the people that are coming in and viewing this giant body, I was so tense, like, when's it going to move? When's it going to wake up? Like, what is going to happen here? That it almost threw me off the first time I watched it. I think you and I talked after I had watched it the first time, and it was almost underwhelming because my brain was so braced for Mm. what it was going to do. Then after talking to you, I was like, okay, let me give it another shot. Went back and watched it knowing what it was. Loved it. Yeah, it was it was so much. But but that was my movie trained Mm. brain expecting. Oh, this is going to something as opposed to doing almost a, a no country for old men where it it actually feels like an anticlimax but intentionally so uh and just just i appreciate it so much more the second time doesn't belong in love death and robots no uh or or a series like that but i'm glad they did that in the christmas episode i would at least somebody's doing it and i think um, that one is actually by the showrunner Really, I think so. I, I'm, maybe I'm not, okay. not correct in that, but I think it might be his film. Contri- Interesting. Yeah. Okay. But the others, like, they're just there was a lot of um, just underwhelming stories. The a lot of very hyper realistic trying to go for photorealism. That yeah. looks like a video, like a video game cutscene to yeah. me. And then, like, I know there's a lot of that goes into that. But at that point, it's just like, just film it. Yeah. And I don't know. The the first segment was automated customer service. Yeah. That, that's enjoyable, but it's it's really just style over substance. Yeah. It's really just an excuse to have kind of a R-rated Pixar short. Right, right. Essentially about an old woman battling her robot vacuum cleaner. It has some some fun little uh, moments. Yeah, I didn't mind it. Overall, yeah. it, it was kind of an underwhelming start. Uh, then you've got Ice, which was, I think, the most disappointing one mm-hmm. because I love that animator's style. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one did he do in the first volume you told me? The blue? Oh, it was the bl- swimming pool one? Yes. Which I can't remember the name. I can't remember the name. Yeah. But I was really excited when I saw that style because I instantly knew who it was and I had appreciated in the first volume. So I was like, oh, what's he going to get me? Just some kids running away from a, a weird underwater space whale. Yeah. You know, nothing big. Pop Squad. I really liked it first. This is about, you know, humanity has kind of achieved immortality. And you've got this squad of, of police officers that execute kids. But it's got a lot of story problems. Yeah. And it doesn't hold up. 
you have this guy who just suddenly, for for no apparent reason, just starts to feel bad about something that he's done for years. Yeah. And it it just it really fell apart on the story, and and really just one or two little plot elements yep. would have really made that sing. Give yeah. him a reason to change, and then I'm. There with was you. absolutely no reason yeah. for him to have this change of heart. Yeah, like it seemed like he was an old pro at this. He's been doing it for years, yeah. and just give it like okay, his his girlfriend's pregnant, and yeah. and now he's got to deal with that struggle well and then it's about perspective shift right. it's about somebody who's cold to the suffering of of people yeah. suddenly being thrust into a situation where where it forces him to to have empathy right. and then the whole short would have been about real empathy empathy through experience rather than just random empathy because yeah. he's old and he's done it for a long time and i guess this kid's teddy bear was the more dinosaur cute than... was cute okay uh then there's snow in the desert this is one of those those photo real ones i did not enjoy this at all no if you ever want to see an animated short about bounty hunters after some guys literally after some guy's testicles <laughs> snow in the desert is for at you. first when it comes up I thought it was like, oh, they're just like, okay, this just is, they're not really actually yeah. talking about his testicles. Oh, and then no. it switches to, oh, they are talking about his testicles. Yeah, yeah. They really want them. Whole short. They, Whole short. they really want them. They just, okay. Uh, <laughs> the next one is the tall grass, uh, which you articulated perfectly uh, what I did not like about it. Why don't you walk me through the tall grass? Well, I mean, if this one starts off kind of, I really was enjoying the animation. Love the style. Um, it was a stylized, not photorealistic, but it was highly stylized. And the this train stops. Yeah, the train stops in the middle, in the middle of the field. Grass, the, grass the conductor field. says they're broken down, and a guy gets out to smoke, and and he decides he's he sees some lights in the field. He decides he's going to walk out in the field, even though the conductor tells him, "Don't go out there." Right, and. The whole thing completely falls apart by the end mm -hmm. because it's revealed that the conductor was aware, like knew of yeah, this. Totally so, knew so about it. So it's like, okay, it completely falls apart. Like, why didn't you just tell him before he hey goes- Hey, guy, there's creatures there's out creatures there. There's creatures out there. And so it could have easily been just like, why did- this even happened. Well, we talked about it. It would have fixed it instantly if when he gets back and he's just narrowly escaped these creatures, right. the conductor kicks him back down the hill. And it's the conductor does this on every trip. It's the only way to get sacrifice. safe passage. It's yeah. a sacrifice, essentially. That, it, would have, it would have just sung at that yeah. point. I would have loved it. But it just, again, there's that it, it doesn't make logical sense. So now it's got style, but it doesn't have that whatever it is that you need. Right. Um, and then Life Hutch is the last one we haven't talked about. That one's the one with Michael B. Jordan. It's it's really just a guy fighting off a robot. It's it's almost exactly the same short as the first one, where it's like the old woman in the vacuum. Yeah, true. Except now it's just this soldier and <laughs> a, a robot. realistic version. But of, it's just yeah. the, the realistic, gritty, scary version. Almost as stupid as plot. Like, like in... <laughs> The first one, he she fends it off with clothes. Yeah. This one, he fends off with a laser pointer like yeah. a cat. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Just like putting those pieces together. <laughs> putting those pieces like I didn't do it at the time, yeah. but now you saying like yes. Yeah. Yeah. At so, least in the first one, it's meant for comedy. So I went back through, I didn't watch all of the first yeah. volume. Just 
just off of the top of my head, I went through the first volume, the list of them, and basically just yay or nay. And I did a percentage. And yeah. the first volume had, uh, it was it was like, now I should have written it down. Mm. It was like 64% of that first volume that I considered hit. Yeah. This one, two of eight, one of four, that means 25% of this one. That's a big drop. And I get it's subjective. I, I don't think everybody wants, uh, you know, the same thing from their animated shorts. And I'm sure there are people that have really enjoyed ones we didn't enjoy. Right. I would be okay with that if it wasn't for the fact that when I go through, there's significant plot problems. Or very simple, you and I do not own animation studios. We don't work in Hollywood. We should not be able to sit, watch a 10-minute animated short, and with one sentence make the obvious observation that would have made it better. Right. I should not be able to do that. Yeah. And, and when I do that, it frustrates me with what I'm watching. Right. Because then I'm like, at no point did someone in the room say, you know what, maybe this doesn't make sense. You know what, maybe we should give him one sentence that explains why he's doing this. Uh, and it it just, that's, that's where it really disappoints because it almost starts to feel like just missed opportunities. And it, it almost feels rushed. It almost yeah, feels it almost like... Feel like they're proof of concept of yes. for like animation rather than we're actually yeah. trying to tell a complete and yeah. total and, story. And, and that's what I noticed with volume one. Volume one had much more, it had really diverse and interesting animation, but it also really had, uh, you could feel the desire to tell interesting stories right. in interesting ways. This one, I didn't get that. Yeah. This one, I, I got a lot of, look at what we can do. Right. We we draw pretty. Right. We, we can do some really cool animation. Well, and I think but, that also comes back to my, there was a lot of them that were trying, like the photorealistic thing. Yeah. And it just felt like it was a look at we what we can accomplish with this technology rather than trying to push like animation yeah. in a like a new direction or like I think at the end of the day that's what frustrates me about photoreal animation. Let's say you could even pull it off. Why animate it? Right. If you can pull off truly photoreal animation, just grab some actors and and you can have animated elements, you know, that's that's what a live action movie with CG is. But but why other than look what we can do? Right. But it takes away the whole art of the creation of, because if I'm sitting here and I'm animating you, you can see my artistry through it. But the minute I hit photo reel in my work of you, I haven't created anything. Right. I've just copied. replicated. Right. I've just copied. I, I'm essentially tracing. Right. Especially when you get into motion capture and I'm not trying to, like, these are very skilled people. Yeah. Um, but... They're, they're not people that I would put on an animated short. They're people I'd have working in an FX house where you want something photoreal or you need digital doubles. Well, I can I could understand it if, okay, you're try, you're going for photoreal and also trying to show something so like outside of the box mm -hmm. to try to bring like some other reality, yeah. some other thing that you can't even imagine into, into reality. And that would make more sense. So, but it, like just completely representing or like replicating humans and stuff just doesn't, it's like, why at this point?
And that's the short with with Michael B. Jordan. Uh, that was that was the most photoreal, convincing animation. Almost to the point, there were times I wondered, like, is it just him? Right. And everything around him is animated because it just it was so convincing. Uh, but again, that's a short film to me. That's that's not something that you use as a as an animation showcase. Yeah. To to really show off uh, how far you can you can push the form. I think it comes for me personally. It comes down to like virtual, like a virtuoso. Like I do not like guitar solos. I don't care like how good you are. I would rather hear a bunch of messed up notes that are interesting rather than like perfection. It just it doesn't yeah. grab my attention in any way. Like purposefully, like I don't know, just trying to create something that's. I don't know, you've never seen before is much more interesting to me. Well, I remember when I was a kid, the thought of one day in the future, you would have photoreal video games was just amazing to me. Now, I don't care. Right. I don't want them. I don't even know that I would buy them or play them because what I really enjoy, give me, give me a Zelda. Right. It's just really, it looks like an animated film and it, you know, give me, uh, there's, there's this thing where, you think what you want is photorealism, but then if you got it, what do you really have? Right. I mean, that's why like the past few greatest video games that I've been playing are like these small indie mm-hmm. house. Like I just played this game called Mundon, which is all looks hand drawn. And I played this game called T- Kentucky Route Zero, which is like, like just like photo cell, like really um, – basic animation but the story is like this weird lynchian world where you've never really experienced that in a video game it's more of an art piece and so much more interesting to me and i you know i've i've thought about a lot and it it really pops up in all these things whether we're talking about action films with nobody or whatever Zack snyder was doing uh, or or this animated anthology there's there's this thing where you there, there are more and more in my mind two types of people, and neither one is right or wrong. Right. There are people that want to be engaged intellectually with an art, and then there are people that just want pure escapism. And and there's plenty of room yeah. in between there. But but it really comes down to if if somebody just enjoys escapism, that's not wrong. Your taste is not wrong. No. It's just you have a very specific style that you respond to, uh, where you could absolutely love Zack Snyder. Mm-hmm. And the guy sitting next to you is just like, this is drivel. And and I hate it. I hate it so much. And you can have, that's that's what makes all the conversation so rewarding because there are so many different things. But when you look at something like this, I would bet you anything that that there are people who just love the ones that we hate and that hate the ones we love. And just like, what's this stupid Christmas short with stop motion? What? That's not Santa. This is dumb. I say ninety five percent of people would really hate those Roy Anderson movies that I like. Yeah. I love, yeah. but I. But I think there's say like Army of the Dead. There are so many movies in that vein that I love, and they're just pure escapism. But this is like a bad reflection of it in some way like I, I just think it's one of those things if all you ever eat at is mcdonald's yeah you don't know like the joys of like a really you know, like a legitimate meal right you know because you're just and that's that's fine you know 
I go to the theater and like popcorn and raisinets for some reason. But, <laughs> you know, it makes me happy. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, it's also like another example of something that's just could be seen as just pure escapism is the... Um, um, no, it just escapes me. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I forgot. Mad the... Max. Okay. Fury yeah. Road. I just watched that again the other night. I think that movie is a yeah. per, like a perfect piece of art, yeah. but it's also you could see it as just pure escapism. Oh yeah. Like it could be follow, and that's the thing. Like you could, it follows in the same when the craft vein is elevated. A, yeah. Yeah, you can you can achieve both. But you could also like I feel like a film like that crosses so many like somehow it grabs my attention. It could also just grab somebody who just wants a popcorn flicks attention. So I feel like when you see something like that, there's it's possible. Yeah. And then you see something like Army of the Dead or yeah. like and it's just like it didn't really get hit that level. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I feel like I've complained a lot on this episode. That's okay, because it's been a long week, Clint. It has been a long, awful week. I really apologize. For I know I have for thoroughly enjoyed attitude. this. I am so happy to be back and talking about movies with you. Uh, but I do think we should start to wrap up. Let's uh, dust off Cinetron. Over the last seven days, it seems like Cinetron <laughs> has cobwebs and like a, a half-inch layer of dust. It was such um, a long week, we somehow forgot the film that we did last week. Yeah. Um, it, we'll, we'll figure that out another time. <laughs> but let's go ahead. Uh, let's give Sinatron a spin. actually seen this one already but okay i think it could be interesting uh, uh it's on netflix uh his house oh i okay uh that's the, the, the horror movie yeah, about the immigrants the sedan couple um, who are escaping yeah. war-torn yeah, sedan. Uh, i have not watched that yet i've really wanted to uh i'm not gonna i won't say anything else about it well, I, I have been I'm... on a horror kick <laughs> so i mean is it gonna oh it's spooky <sighs> okay it'll spook you all right all right. Anything I need to know before going in or just go in blind? I say go in blind. I I, I don't want to say I too. haven't even – I think I've, I started the trailer and for some reason stopped. I remember you some images of it. Well, like 30 seconds of it. I can't remember. It was like – you know how Netflix pops oh, up the right. auto preview? Yeah, yeah. And then I was just not in the, the mood to be creeped out that night. And so I like flipped on past it once I realized, oh, this is scary. It's one of those on there that I feel like it could easily be passed by, but I was really surprised okay. by it. So I'm looking forward to it. All right. Like, no, I, I am too. That's one. I have it in my queue and I was hoping to watch it. So uh, Bravo, Bravo Sinatron for, man. Didn't do us dirty this time. No, it did not. No. Well, to be seen, but I'm assuming. Well, 
I mean, at least to, I'll have enjoyed it. Yeah, I did not hear your eye roll, so <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a good sign. I mean, it's no Velocipastor, but... Oof, oof, Velocipastor. I feel like we just watched that six days ago. So anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, this has been uh, Cinebabble episode 27. Uh, clearly, it has not actually been a week. We have been out of this for the better part of a year. It's almost been exactly a year. Yeah. When yeah. I put up that one um, by myself, it yeah. was, I think, like the 11th of yeah. this past month. Crazy. So it, we've almost have been a year. It feels very good to be back and talking. <laughs> I thoroughly, I know you felt like you complained too much. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Okay. Good. Uh, so apologies if this episode ends up being, you know, pretty overstuffed and long, but uh, uh, it was it was a good time, and so we'll have three more movies for you next week. One of which will be uh, His House, uh, our Cinetron pick. So until then, uh, thank you very much for listening, and uh, you know, enjoy the next week, which hopefully is not a year long. A year. <laughs> <laughs>